Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Psychope Self-Help Podcast, a space for women where psychology illuminates paths to healing hope and personal growth. I'm Dr. Jennifer McManus, a clinical psychologist, and I'll be your host. Each episode, we'll explore a different way to use psychology to enhance emotional wellness. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey there, it's episode 18. Thank you so much for tuning in. By the time this episode comes out, it will be a little over the one month mark since the podcast launched back on December 8th. I have to say, it's been a pretty exciting time, and I want to thank you all for joining me on this podcast journey. Or if by chance this is your very first episode, welcome. I'm happy to have you here. Most of the episodes so far have been quick tips for managing holiday stress because we were right in the middle of the holiday season when the podcast launched. And more recently, we've had a couple episodes on strategies for positioning yourself for success with your New Year's resolutions or those personal goals any time of the year. I have to say, I really enjoyed putting together the holiday-themed podcast episodes and the mindfulness meditations up on my YouTube channel, and I hope you found some value in them too. Now, as I mentioned, this podcast is still really new. Before the few straight weeks of holiday content, I basically did three introductory groundwork sort of episodes, and at this point, I want to return to laying a foundation for the overall vision of the podcast. So related to this intention for today's episode, in the intro of each show, you've heard how I share that here on the Psychope Self-Help Podcast, psychology illuminates paths to healing hope and personal growth. Now, on this episode, I want to clarify what I mean by psychology lighting the way down these paths for us. The decision for an episode like this is related to some reflecting I've been doing. I realize I've been living and breathing psychology for about two decades now, when you add up all my education, training, and professional work since being licensed. And with this reflection, I came to the decision that I probably should provide a foundation for all future episodes about exactly what is meant by psychology-informed self-help tips and interventions. In addition to wanting to make sure we're all on the same page about what is meant by psychology illuminating these meaningful paths for us, I thought laying this foundation might also be helpful because some of the self-help interventions that I've been uh, touching upon so far and will be exploring in more depth moving forward might be confusing as to why they're even on a psychology-informed podcast. For example, I pointed out the mental health benefits of physical exercise a couple times and felt I really needed to give the disclaimer that this did not turn into a weight loss podcast on you overnight. It might also be confusing when I'm discussing the value of an ancient spiritual practice like mindfulness on a psychology-informed self-help podcast. It's understandable that at first, both of these activities appear to be the domain of other fields. Physical health, and spirituality. It's relevant to remind here that mental health and physical health are highly interconnected, and spirituality, for those for whom it is relevant, can also be considered part of a holistic health view. 
But for the purpose of this podcast, when I refer to something being psychology informed, it means that there's psychological research to back up the self-help interventions. This is my attempt to fill a gap in the self-help world. While there are plenty of self-help resources out there, only a fraction of them are based on scientific research. Now, there may be a time every now and then when I share a self-help idea from my own personal lived experience that I think may be of value to my listeners. This will happen very rarely, and I will totally own that the idea is just something I happen to think is cool and might be helpful as opposed to an approach that is backed by psychological research. The heart and soul of this podcast, however, is all about applying findings from psychological research to help us through challenging situations or to improve our own lives in some way. So I want to use this episode to provide a very brief overview of the study of psychology, psychological research, and how it is different from other ways of knowing. If you've had little to no previous exposure to the study of psychology, then this episode will serve as a primer. If you've already had some involvement with psychology, like a Psych 101 course in college or personal exploration about the field, then this episode is likely to be more of a refresher. Either way, it's meant to give us a context for the psychology-informed self-help interventions that will be explored in more depth on future episodes. Just interrupting here to tell you about a new resource I created for you. If you're experiencing high levels of work stress, this resource is for you. Please know you're not alone. So many women are tired of work stress seeping into every area of their lives. Perhaps you can relate and want to do something about the negative impact work stress is having on you, but aren't sure how to get started. If this resonates with you, then I'd like to invite you to take a brief moment for yourself and try the Your Path Through Work Stress quiz. In 10 introspective questions, you'll learn more about your unique experience of work stress and which science-backed stress relief tools are most likely to help you reclaim your peace. Just head on over to psychopecom slash your path so you can take the first step down your best path through work stress. The quiz will also be linked in the show notes. So let's begin this groundwork. To go way back, the field of psychology grew out of Greek philosophy and can be defined as the scientific study of the human mind and behavior. The field has widened its scope over time and now involves multiple branches, some of which focus on scientific research and others that apply this research in practical settings like psychotherapy or for organizations. Psychology involves five main goals. Describing observed human behavior, explaining human behavior, controlling human behavior, and changing or improving human behavior, and predicting human behavior. So let's take a moment here to break down some of these terms. Behavior is any action a human performs that can be observed. What we think of as the mind is often referred to as mental processes in psychological research. These are those private experiences that cannot be directly observed, like our thoughts, feelings, or motives. In the big scheme of things, psychology is a really young field. 
The first psychology lab was established in 1879 by Wilhelm Wundt in Germany, with modern psychology being understood to have begun around the turn of the last century. Sigmund Freud is a prominent figure whom people often associate with psychology, but Freud was actually a medical doctor who specialized in neurology, not a psychologist. But he's important to the field of psychology because he founded psychoanalysis at the start of the 20th century. So now that we have a little bit of context about the field of psychology, I want to weave in here how psychology-informed self-help interventions are distinct from other self-help approaches. Please notice that I'm being intentional here by describing psychology self-help interventions as different, not necessarily better. Remember, there are many paths to the same destination, and it's helpful to consider how each path is unique. When we take the path of psychology, the self-help interventions are stemming from a certain type of knowing, the scientific method. And in a minute, I'll give you a quick overview or reminder of the scientific method. But first, let's compare and contrast the scientific method to other ways of knowing. Let's take empiricism as a way of knowing. That is what we have observed or experienced. The observations we make and the experiences we have can inform scientific study. Similarly, life experiences and our observations can certainly inform self-help interventions. We just won't have scientific data to back up the effectiveness of these approaches. Intuition, that feeling or gut instinct we may experience, is another way of knowing. Following one's intuition may lead to personal growth or other desired results. It's a challenge, though, to distinguish intuition from our own biases. For people who struggle with anxiety, it can also be hard to know what's a gut instinct versus an unfounded worry. That being said, even researchers have had gut feelings that they follow in their research with good outcomes. Another way of knowing is authority, doing something because an expert or someone with some influence told us to. A downfall with this way of knowing is that, unfortunately, we can't always trust authority. On the other hand, if we carefully consider the credentials and intentions of a given expert, then authority can be a helpful and time-saving way of knowing. For example, here on this podcast, I'm coming in as an expert who can review all the psychological journal articles relevant to self-help interventions so you don't have to. And this concern about being able to trust authorities is one of the reasons I share my education training and professional background on different episodes. I'm not trying to brag, it's so that you can make your own informed decision about my credentials and intentions. So, This brings us to the primary way of knowing in psychology and what distinguishes psychology self-help interventions from other self-help interventions, and that's the scientific method. In psychology, the scientific method refers to the steps taken to discover new information about human behavior and the mind, as well as relationships of one aspect of human behavior and the mind to another. This might sound familiar, but the scientific method starts with analyzing a problem, then developing a hypothesis. Next, you collect data to test that hypothesis, and then you draw your conclusions. 
Based on the results, you either confirm your hypothesis or go back to the problem now equipped with new information about it. So unless I provide a disclaimer, the self-help interventions discussed on this podcast will have gone through the rigors of the scientific method. Now, there are different types of studies that can take place in psychological research. First, we have descriptive research, which is really just about learning basic qualities of a topic of study. For example, if I did a survey of, say, the eye color of my podcast listeners, that would be descriptive level data. We would not learn much in this case other than the percentage of people with blue eyes versus brown, green, or hazel. A lot of research within the field of psychology is correlational. That's when we're establishing relationships between two aspects of human behavior or the mind. We might also think of these as associations. For example, people who regularly practice gratitude have improved feelings of overall well-being. With correlational research, we cannot say that one factor causes the other, but we can say that they are related in some way. We can, however, establish cause and effect with experimental research methods. This is when we have an independent variable and measure its influence on a dependent variable. The highest standard of research here would be randomized controlled trials. Those are when participants of the study are randomly assigned to the treatment or the control group. An example of cause and effect research in psychology is physical exercise on symptoms of depression, specifically reducing these symptoms. The treatment group would be the group that completed a prescribed amount of physical exercise and a control group that did not engage in exercise. I also want to point out that psychological research involves very specific measurement. We can compare and contrast those fun surveys we can take online versus those with established psychometric properties used in psychological research. And this is really just a fancy way of saying that a test, a survey, or other measurement method is valid, meaning it measures what it says it does, and that it does it reliably. So it's either reliable over time or reliable with the same person, meaning if someone were to take that survey again, the results, unless there was something significant, you know, some sort of external factor, the results would be pretty much uh, the same. Some examples of psychological measurement tools include IQ tests, those achievement or standardized tests you used to take back in school. Yeah, sorry about that. That was my field. And the Rorschach inkblot test. Now, not all psychological research is at the same level of quality. Sample size, that is how many people participated in the study, how the topic is measured, and whether or not the findings are even going to generalize, in other words, make sense, apply to a larger population than just the people who participated in the study, are a few of the factors about which to think critically when it comes to evaluating a psychological research study. How recently the research was conducted is another important consideration. A general rule of thumb has been that we want to pay the most attention to psychological research that has been conducted in the past 10 years. There are certainly unique and interesting topics that are not the subject of research studies as often, so you might have to go back a bit further for those sorts of topics, and that's okay and totally understandable. So 
I'm thinking this is probably a good place to start winding down before I really get you all in the weeds of psychological research. I do hope this primer or refresher, as the case may be, has helped to provide clarification on how psychology illuminates those paths of healing, hope, and personal growth for us. Please be sure to follow or subscribe to the show wherever you may be listening so you can tune in to all future episodes, knowing that you can stand solid on the foundation that we set today as we explore a new psychology-informed self-help intervention each week. Till next time. The information shared on the Psych Hope Self Help Podcast is done so with the understanding that it does not constitute professional help, nor is it a substitute for professional help. If you think you might benefit from more than self help, there are resources listed in the show notes.